Hi, this is Giuseppe. Hi, this is Anthony. And you're listening to For the Love of Sophia. A philosophy podcast brought to you by the Public Philosophy Project. If you have any questions or suggestions, feel free to email us at publicphilproject at gmail.com. Enjoy the ride. Welcome back. Hello, hello. Episode 7-8. 7-8. Also an interesting... They're all interesting numbers. Yes. The queen is still dead. <laughs> the queen is still dead. We have learned little something. I don't know. Nah, I don't think... We know she was 96. Oh, I just meant in general, not about the queen. <laughs> <laughs> She's 96. Um, no. Not we, have we learned anything? No, I don't know if we have learned anything. And we're learning... Yeah, we're learning the process. So, okay. Yeah. So we ended, so we started out by saying, I think the only things we've established, I think, yes. are that learning is a process. It's a process. <laughs> and it involves a transition mm-hmm. from a, an absence to a presence. That is it. That's it. And that in certain beings... We can do some control experiment to make sure that this has happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for certain activities, we can do that, while for others, we're not so sure. And there may or may not be a distinction between what computers, animals, and humans do when they do the thing that is called learning. learning. Yeah, yeah. But then we were saying at the end of the, of the episode, maybe... And we were struggling. Let's let's call things the way they are. Mm-hmm. We were struggling to find those differences, right? Yes. And we made numerous hypotheses of why or how we make we had these differences. And maybe at the end of the, of the past episode, we were saying maybe the difference is the fact that when humans learn, then they can teach stuff mm-hmm. there's this connection there or maybe there's an understanding that it's missing somewhere else right um and i'm wondering how um how do you feel about this this last things i am on board with it uh so much so mm-hmm. that uh, that is a basis in my pedagogical approach which is this idea that if you have learned something you will be able to explain it and teach it to someone mm. effectively, right? Clearly, holistically, mm-hmm. effectively. I don't think you can teach something you haven't learned. Yes. Right? So you can only teach something you have learned. And I am of the belief that being able to teach um, is some demonstration of having learned something. Okay. But it's a definitely a different kind of demonstration than than something else. So I yeah, I yeah, know sure, sure. I know how to play soccer. I'm not sure I can teach anybody how to play soccer. I, I will probably be a terrible coach, mm. right? You think so? Most likely. I just don't have the patience for that. So okay, already though, there's a distinction between explanation and teaching. I was about to say. Yeah, but, although it involves explanation, it's it's more than that. Yeah, and um, 
and I was about to ask you because you said, you know, uh, you believe that so much that you tell your students that if they understood, if they had learned, mm -hmm. they should be able to explain it. Yes. And so um, I was about to ask you, what difference do you see between the explanation part and the teaching part? How are they different, hmm. if they are different at all? So it seems like teaching would uh, involve explanation, but also something like a know-how of the most effective manner hmm. of explaining things. And what I mean by that is maybe sometimes straight information is mm -hmm. going to be the thing, but maybe other times you ask questions. Maybe other times you create a scenario and then that seems unrelated and then you land at something and that's, that's what results in the learning. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe other times you specifically don't give information hmm. and see where they wind up at. So that so it's a matter of knowing when and what kind of explanations work. Um, but I suppose that means it's not only explanation because clearly questions are not explanations and hands-on activities are not explanations. Hmm. Um, so in addition to explanation, it would seem to involve something about understanding how humans learn, <laughs> um, something about human nature, mm. uh, something like being able to, I don't want to say put yourself in the other's shoes, but something like that. Okay. So these are just some things that are coming at the top of my head i don't know how you so it's it's like explanation is part of the teaching process but doesn't exhaust it yes it was it's like a necessary but not sufficient condition and is there like any teaching element involved in the explanation so there's one in, uh, like mutually involved uh -huh. which is the more bigger the yeah. more big, what's the bigger <laughs> container if they're or, or are they just the same doesn't mean to be doesn't seem to be the same for sure Right. They're not the same thing. We just said that. Yeah. So so I guess in order to figure out which is the more fundamental, bigger container concept, you'd have to ask if you can imagine teaching without explanation and if you can imagine explanation without teaching, mm -hmm. which is an, an interesting thing. I mean, what do you think about those? I, uh, not sure. Because I was thinking that I was actually thinking that explanation is a component of teaching while so all explanations are forms of teaching okay but teaching is not exhausted by explanation but the so moment not all forms of teaching are explanation yeah, yeah, yeah. the okay. moment you are explaining something you are at least attempting to teach something mm -hmm. while not every time you're teaching something you're attempting to explain something which maybe means that uh teaching is the bigger concept yeah i'll say yeah, yeah, so. that's i think that's what would follow from that yeah would you would you agree with that do you think that can you explain something without teaching, without the intent? <laughs> I don't think so. Well, I don't know about without the intent, but without the... No, because I, 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 think, I think that's part of it. I think like, that's part of it. The explanation is like, you know, even the... the, the like the definition of explaining yeah, yeah, right? involves some element of or, necessary or incidental teaching. Would you say that... that it seems unrelated. I promise that it's not. Okay. Do you think That's that... That's a move of a teacher. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, 
do you think that the instructional manuals of stuff that you buy are those explanations? That's a good question. Like if a, I'm going to use a board game, for example, mm-hmm. or putting together a piece of furniture. Yeah, just go to Ikea. and Yeah. Um, so some of those Ikea manuals are terrible. Yeah, I know. Like sometimes me and Claire fantasize of a different <laughs> life where we just write instruction manuals. And we're like, we'd be so good at this. They need like these kinds of people to write really good yeah. instruction booklets for games and for, for furniture and but stuff. I, I think that sometimes it has to do as mostly most of the times with just the translation. Some things are made in China. I think they have like a program. <laughs> They've got Google Translate, like, translator oh. doing those things because some things yeah. they don't make sense. I remember. I don't remember what was it. I was putting together a basketball hoop for the kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, I'm reading this and I, I'm with my son. I'm reading it. You know, English is not my first language. So I'm looking at it. I'm like, that doesn't, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't look like English to me. So, and I have him like, is is going on in seventh grade, eighth grade, seventh grade? Yes, I think. No, eighth grade is going. Mm-hmm. And I was like, read this. What does this mean? And he looks at me like, no, nothing. I don't know. I'm like, come on. It's like, is this English now? That it's, it's like, in my opinion, this is. This is mistaken. This so it's the Chinese room. Yeah. Literally. Yes. The Chinese yes, room. Exactly. Um, yeah, I think you're right. Also, sometimes steps are missing. Like they'll yeah. go from like three to step four and you have step three and step four, you're like, what the hell? And then at some point you realize, oh, there's something in between. That's not explained. That they didn't explain <laughs> that's required for me to understand step yeah. four. So I would say instruction manuals. When done well. When done well. <laughs> teach you something okay well they explain something to you this is this is now a different question uh which is are all instances i don't know why i picked up the pencil it just feels (laughs) active are all instances of learning yes facilitated by teaching (laughs) uh, you see what i mean like if i learn from you you're teaching but if i read like kant is the is the book teaching me is kant teaching me um, um, two different questions, even though even there, right? Is yeah, it's the book or is the author of the book? But let's forget uh, that for a second. Yeah, okay, to I, simplify, I think Kant is teaching you in that case. I'm gonna say yeah. There has to be because it's written by someone. Yes, right. So, but are all instances of learning teaching? No, because re- there are quote things, unquote reality can smack you in the face. Exactly, there yeah. are things that you learned by yourself. Right? I learned not to text and drive because I got into an accident. I learned not to touch, not to touch fire because I burned myself. Yes, right? yes. So those things. So happen. that's a good point. But all, and all, do, we know very well that that's not the case. Even the other thing that every time somebody teaches something, there's not necessarily learning coming out of it. Yeah, and that could be the fault of either end. Yep, absolutely. But to answer the question from before, so instruction manuals are explanations. And they just might not be good. Yes, but they are explanations, so they are teaching. a form of teaching. Yes. Okay. I would say so. Interesting. Interesting. Because And those are anonymous. I mean, at the end of the day... We just don't know who wrote it. We don't know who wrote it. Unless it is totally computerized, <laughs> and that's why it's broken. It could it be? And if it's totally computerized, is that like... I mean, it's like, um, have you ever tried to... It's pretty freaky. When you read the stories or plays that like AIs have yeah. written. Yeah. It's very interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Yeah. So, okay. 
So instruction manuals are forms of explanation. Yes. Which in turns makes him a form of teaching. Which may or may not be effective, in which case you may or may not learn to a certain extent. And what are those things trying to teach us? Because An instruction manual. Yes. How to play the game, how to put together. put together the furniture in the way that they have deemed the correct way. Because mm. sometimes there's other ways to put it together. Yeah, of course. Um, but I'm thinking, so you, you would say that, of course, the goal of the manual is that, the instructions is that. And learning, you're learning from the manual when you put together the thing, the moment you're put together the thing? It's a good question. Because um, I, I, something I thought of when you were just saying that is we haven't yet spoke of the concept of time mm-hmm. and therefore memory, mm-hmm. which we talked about previously. Mm-hmm. So if I have a, a specific IKEA piece of furniture like what's the ones mom like you know how they all have like interesting so the mom dresser or (laughs) nightstand let's say i put together one when i'm in years ago in pittsburgh (laughs) caterpillars no not cat centipedes centipedes (laughs) if it was caterpillars that would be maybe freakier (laughs) maybe freakier um how can you imagine Yeah, PTSD with this thing. Because centipedes are just like <laughs> lines. Here we go. Right? They're lines. Like, whereas yeah. caterpillars are circles. They're ballies. Yes. Yes. Which seem have you got the, more have you, threatening. Have you got the horned lines. one that goes on tomatoes in your garden yet? No, 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 no. I it's haven't gotten those. You'll, you will eventually. Should I suit up in preparation? No, nah, it's late now. But, but um, so, okay. So I put together the thing in Pittsburgh in my infested apartment. Mm-hmm. And then I do it, and it exists. Yeah. Then years later, when me and Claire uh, move into our first New Jersey apartment, we only had one. So our second apartment together, when we, but the first in New Jersey, mm-hmm. she then gets the same nightstand. So we have like a matching thing. Did I memorize how to put together that nightstand? No. Would I be able to just put it together by looking at it, given my past experience? Probably not. I'd I'd probably be somewhat better off, but I, I don't think I could recite so it perfectly. So you learn anything from it. Well, that's the question. If if learning means that always permanent acquisition. permanent acquisition that's automatic, then no. But if learning doesn't mean that, then maybe. And and this means that instruction manuals. You maybe don't learn things from them if if they're not committed to long-term memory and become automatic. Or maybe instruction manuals are just guides. They're not teachers. Hmm. Just like an like, apprentice? No, just like I'm thinking of a guide that guides you through a path. And you're, done, you're not supposed to learn the path because they have already learned it. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the path, you go through the forest, whatever it is, and say yeah. goodbye. You haven't learned anything about the path. You're just being guided to it. Like some, like let's say someone starts teaching here and they're like, hey, can you show me the bathroom? Yes. Okay. You're just taking them around. I'm taking you around the building of this thing. But my purpose is not to teach you how to build future stuff. It's just in this instance, we're going through this thing. Once you're done, done. 
So it's not really teaching and there's not really learning involved, but it's more of a literal guidance towards steps that you need to complete to get to a finished product. But that doesn't involve learning nor teaching. Do you think that... Um, so related to this, these questions about learning being a process and about whether or not there is a definitive product always at the, mm-hmm. the, the finishing line of learning, mm-hmm. do you think that learning requires da 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 experience as in repeated instances of you doing that thing? I think it requires, I don't want to say permanency, but semi-permanency mm-hmm. of at least the informational part of knowledge that it's there. And does the semi-permanent to permanent aspect require repeated exposure over time? Um well, that depends on your capability, right? There are certain things that I have read once, and mm-hmm. that's that. It's and it there. stuck with you. Uh, other times, instead, I need. But again, have I really learned? I don't know. Can't if I read it just once, probably not. You definitely learned something. <laughs> yeah, you, you, not you, all you of get the is. gist of it, right? We say we get the gist of it, but mm. we don't get the old thing, right? We don't get the old story. So there is something that sticks there. Um, repetitiveness i think it might help in certain cases Mm -hmm. but i wonder if this repetitiveness instead is just the is the walkway to towards the mechanizational stuff right well do you use repetition when teaching uh meaning like do i prepare beforehand like uh do i practice the teaching no no i mean as a as As an instructor oh like as an instructor do you uh repeat the same thing to things them more than in once. certain ways. Yeah, I try. I try to use different. I I think um, one way in which I I think teaching works is the following. I think teaching is a translation, in a certain sense, um, when we talk about this kind of stuff, right? So I give them whatever piece of information or instruction that I'm giving them, mm-hmm. and I say it in a way, in a specific way. And then we do maybe some applications, some other stuff. And then I repeat it, if you want. I say the same thing using different words. And then I try to connect the first thing, the, fir- the way in which I said it the first time and the way in which I said it the second time, I say this or the same. So that they can learn the specific language of the discipline, understanding though what, they mean, what, what it really means. So to, so to teach a theory. Yeah, that's what I would do. Is not merely teach the theory but to also give explanations or hands-on activities in which you understand how the theory connects to the concrete yeah but more simply right if if, instead of just saying i don't know um analytic a priori um judgments Mm -hmm. are such and such and such then i'll try to find a way in plain English, if you want, to say what analytic a priori judgments are. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, first first I explain to them, right, through Kant, whatever it is, and then I'm like, this is really this. This is what he's saying, right? Using terminology that she, they can understand, and then you recode it back in there. Mm. And hopefully with this decoding and recoding, it will stuck with them, and they will be able to 
learn and teach it. That yeah, I remember uh, here's something I learned, and mm-hmm. uh, I forget which the stuff of thought. In one of the Stephen Pinker's books, he talks yeah. about this idea that uh, it's pedagogically effective, or at least it has been empirically demonstrated given certain controlled settings and studies that people are most likely to learn concepts or terminology when you use it as the last part of the sentence okay so in other words not analytic a priori is Mm -hmm. but da 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 is called analytic a priori which is pretty much what i do in reverse right i start with analytic a priori is and then I'll give them an explanation, blah, 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 using the terminology, correct terminology. And then I will be like, what this means. And then you go with English, mm-hmm. which is, again, not the appropriate. Yeah, I think this is something I've always, like I'm always going back and forth with is when to um, start bottom up and when to go top down. Mm-hmm. So in other words, when to start with the most foundational abstract stuff and build up from there to arrive at the higher level concept mm-hmm. um, and when to start with that most immediate upper level concrete concept and then dig deeper into the abstract foundations. So if we're talking about the work of the teacher, I think that what makes a good teacher a good teacher at a certain point is kind of feeling the room and understanding when to yep. use what. Right? It's like a good anything. Yeah. It's like a good comedian. Yeah, yeah. It's a, you, you just need to, to know when to when to employ which one of those things. Which means it involves like intuition, whatever that is. Sure. And Probably. a word I was thinking before when we were talking about the connections mm-hmm. is uh if you're Aristotle, phronesis, mm-hmm. if you're Latin, prudentia, mm-hmm. and if you're English, prudence. Mm-hmm. Right? Practical wisdom. Yeah. That's useful for most things. I, I mean, say. this is what he says is like you, you have to have to be virtuous is like you can't just have the idea of what the right thing is. You have to have the know-how to feel when it's time to actually do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, you know, that's why the virtues are something that you often, what's the word? It's not often uh, when he says like, you know, a virtuous person is a person that, you know, more often than not, will do something. It's not always, right? Sometimes it's not oh, yeah, practical yeah, yeah. to. Yeah, it's not. It's habitually, like, habitually. Yes, why he says, like, it's not telling the truth in all situations, exactly. all the time. Mm-hmm. It's like, or it's not um, never showing any fear. Yeah. It's like knowing the correct situations correct. to show fear and the correct situations to not. Yeah. And then acting on that, yeah. that knowledge. Yeah, absolutely. So, going back to our instruction manuals. <laughs> okay, okay. So, are we saying that, and I think this is where we got off here, do you agree that they're just, that's the, the, let's put it this way, do you think that the job of a guide is different than the job of a teacher? Uh, uh, you know, if you go to, sometimes if you go to a museum, you can book, you can book somebody who's... Like a tour guide. A tour guide, yeah, right? Yeah. Do you think that what the person is doing is different than what we're doing? Is the expectation of the tour guide that you will learn what he's telling you? Or is the expectation of the tour guide just for you to be like, oh, interesting, and then move on, right? 
And then when you're done, that's maybe- such a weird job. Like, like, what's your job? It's not to teach people about things, but I know it's going to go in one ear and out the other. And I just want to make them go, oh, interesting. <laughs> exactly. exactly. But isn't that what that is? Uh, or if, if you don't want to do the, the one at the museum, think of a tourist guide that guides you like through a territory, through, again, mm-hmm. somebody that needs to bring you from. And maybe with natural stuff, it's better because you can always imagine, you know, a city, mm-hmm. somebody that tells you, oh, this building was built in such and such. And this yeah, can yeah. be can be mistaken for uh, learning stuff and teaching stuff. I'm going, I need a guy that takes me from, I don't know, the Appalachian, whatever, the Appalachian, whatever, entrance uh, path towards these other exits that... It's something that requires a guide because it's dangerous. So you can only go if people guide you there, right? Mm-hmm. This person, I think, in its job description, and I, they don't even think that what they have to do is teaching you your way. So next time you can go by yourself. There is not, The expectation is not there. And I think that that is the, exactly the same thing as the instruction manual. You know, I think this word guide is... Uh, you made me think because... I don't know the etymology of this word. Like, I don't know what Latin and or Greek roots it goes back to. And I'm trying to, like, identify a distinct phenomenon. It literally means, like, driver. So so the – and what is it, Greek or Latin? It's Latin. It's Latin. And it goes back to driver, mm-hmm. which is weird because the driver is independent, mm-hmm. right? And usually a guide is someone we think that's – okay, so what do we think of it? You're sitting in the passenger seat while mm-hmm. the person's driving. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Okay. Um, Better. Yes, the same. Just before we get yelled, as the same root root as driver. As the same root as driver. As driver or to drive. Okay. So I was thinking a couple things. the The one thing I was thinking was that the guy, like if you think of guides in other contexts, mm-hmm. like um, you're drawing. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And then there's like lines that says, don't go outside these lines, mm-hmm. right? That, that's guiding you. Mm-hmm. Or the, if the you... Guidelines. The gu- guidelines, right? Good. <laughs> I didn't even think of that word. Duh. Um, which kind of shows you the outline, mm-hmm. the perimeter, the outer edges of the thing, mm-hmm. right? Which is, you need to know in order to, to identify the thing. Mm-hmm. And then you have a guide like... If you're dancing or you're doing yoga or you're riding a bike, you have someone kind of hovering Mm -hmm. around your body, Mm -hmm. watching what you're doing and and knowing when it's appropriate to do that thing. And then you have a guide like they're showing you the way. Yes. Quote, unquote, right? Or or something as, as profound sounding as that to something as... Not profound is like when you're playing bowling, playing bowl when you're bowling and you have the bumpers up or something, mm-hmm. right? So it seems like whatever guides do, they're intended to be there to keep you from going off track. And they're not teaching you anything. Well, I think that's interesting because they're they're getting you where you need to go. Mm. And I think our question right now is: Are there ways of getting you where you need to go that aren't teaching you? And it seems like it may be yes, based on what you're saying. I'm trying to figure out well, wait, how exactly. Wait, wait, wait a minute, though, because you just said something interesting there, which was, are there, do 
Are there ways to get you where you need to go that is not teaching? Yes. Because you're assuming that teaching means to get you where you need to be. Let me think about that. Is teaching a... Hmm, okay. Because in this case, teaching will be a, a inside the, the set of guidances. Okay, It'll so... It will be one form of So guidance. would you like it better if we said the difference is that a guide gets you where you need to go, hmm. but the teacher tries to cultivate something in you that allows you to, to be, be the, the one that gets you where you need to go? I was, I was thinking... Yeah, probably. Pro- yes. Yeah, I'll, gonna need, I'll need to think about it a little bit more, but I think so. I think that we are on the same page with this. I was thinking that the difference between guiding and teaching mm-hmm. uh, has to do with, uh, and you made me think about this when we were talking about guidelines, right? Or with the gutters, with the with the bowling mm-hmm. alley, right? Um, maybe the real difference between guiding and teaching is that guiding sets limitations for you while teaching mm. removes limitation hmm. limitations right do you know what i mean yeah. the guide is always setting limits for where you're supposed to go and you know if you're doing the path thing it doesn't want you to exp- it doesn't want you to wander off and explore yeah. because you die yeah. right you need to stay here right at all times no matter what it's never appropriate mm-hmm. to to leave this path. Same thing with bowling, right? Are you not supposed to, yep. if you know how to play, <laughs> if you learn how to play, to leave that, right? Because otherwise you're out of bounds pretty much, right? Uh, with quarantine, the guidelines, the same way. With the instructions, the same thing. I'm giving you the limitations of what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to do step one first and step two second. If you do it differently, you're going to be lost. Mm-hmm. You're going to be in trouble. Well, the teacher tells you, instead gives you the opportunity to wander off. Or even encourages Encourages it sometimes, sometimes yeah. to do that. That doesn't mean that there are no limitations completely. But I have never heard myself or any other teacher where a student goes and says, Oh, can I read a little bit more play than you? Like, no, <laughs> do not do that. Yeah. The only thing that I've done, maybe it's been like, I suggest you not to read the Tetitus first, but just start with the apology. Right. But just, you can read as much as you want. You can explore when it comes to, uh, to learning as much as you want. Well, instead, when it's about guidance for, to, to, uh, to build a project, to, to, to you know, to finish mm-hmm. a project and so on, it's the limitations are the more important. Aspect. I think that's a good way of looking at it. Um, I think that the guide is, I will never let you fail. Mm-hmm. Right, that's my job. Yeah, is I'm protecting you. Yeah, and I don't think the teacher is the same thing. No, the opposite. I, I think the teacher is, I can let you fail. Yeah, right. I can let you go in the gutter mm-hmm. because. There's something through that that's going to teach you yeah. something. And there is this idea also that, as you're saying, that, and I think uh, you as a new parent, uh, I think that there is something like the, 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 within the human experience that is expressed to parenting that way. You start as a, gu- as a guardian. 
The helicopter yeah. parent, yes. Well, n- not just the helicopter, any parent, right? At first, your job, as you already learned this probably, is making sure that that thing stays alive. Yeah, you're not in the gutter. <laughs> and you and you are setting boundaries at all times. Mm-hmm. Like, okay, you don't want to fall off the table when I'm changing you. You don't want to swallow this little thing. You don't want to put this, stick this thing in your nose. And then you're setting limits at all times. Mm-hmm. And you're setting a bedtime. And you're setting, un- you're creating habits. And then when the kid probably, I'm not there yet either with my kids. Maybe my oldest is starting to get there. That, and up to that point, you're the guide and you're gonna, I'm going to keep you alive. Don't worry. right? The kid is relying on you for safety. And then you get to the point where you have to stop being the guide and becoming the teacher. When you have to give them agency, if you want, so they can make mistakes and is not setting limits anymore even though you want to set limits because you want to protect them but it's about go ahead and have experiences go and do your thing explore Mm -hmm. and i'm going to try to teach you not to guide you anymore i think that's one of the most difficult things yeah i think that i think that sounds right um so you start out um i am sustaining you yeah and then at some point the transition is from that to I'm not going to sustain you, mm-hmm. but I am going to equip you mm-hmm. with the tools, with the, the means of sustaining yourself, yeah. which means cultivating independence mm-hmm. and virtue mm-hmm. and competence mm-hmm. and all these things, right? Because if you, if you just have the bumpers up, mm-hmm. so what the helicopter parent does is they are a guide for longer than they should be. Yeah. Right? Or yep. they're a guide in a context when it's it's not appropriate. Correct. And as a result of that, the person, the student, the child doesn't actually learn. Mm-hmm. And instead, they become reliant. Exactly. Right? So you can become dependent on guides. And why do you become reliant on the guide? Because at that same point, you never learn. And you have no, and you have no incentive to. Exactly. You never learn. So you always like... I'm, you're always going to bring me from point A to point B. Yeah. Why the hell should I learn that, right? It's like, what's that? Why did you? Why should you memorize the IKEA instructions, right? <laughs> right, right. They're exactly. always going to be there, right? Exactly. And I'm, I'm wondering also, and again, with all the respect to guides, mm-hmm. uh, all those guide makers out there, exactly, uh, or the people that brings you from one place to another, which are indispensable in certain situations, right? Of course. But I think that that job, socially, let's say, it's much easier than the teacher's job. Oh, yeah. And I think that a lot of the heat the teachers have been taking lately, teachers and professors and so on, comes also from, from the misunderstanding of the fact that we are not guides, but that we are teachers. Mm. So the all issues, and I know we, we, you know, we stay away from certain things. But in general, the, all, all the controversies of things that you as a teacher or a professor are not supposed to say mm-hmm. or the uncomfortableness of certain lectures or certain topics that you um, – especially in our discipline, right? Mm-hmm. So, this morning we were talking about cannibalism, right? right. <laughs> it's, it's like it's inevitable and I tell the students it's inevitable and I've been lucky enough that no, almost nobody has ever complained about these things, right? But – and the fact that there is a, a general trend towards 
trigger warnings mm-hmm. and stuff mm-hmm. like that, right? Those are all guidelines. Yep. They want you to be a guide. Exactly. People expect us to be guides, but that is not what we are. We are teachers, which is different. We are the ones, traditionally at least, and if the job is going to change, I'm going to change job. Uh, it's it's been the opposite. It's been like, go ahead, explore. Mm-hmm. I'm actually going to expose you to things. Yeah, I always think of, was it Dennett? Uh, the Darwin's dangerous idea. Okay, okay. The dangerous idea, yeah. yeah and I'm always thinking like, not about that specific idea, but I'm thinking that ideas are dangerous. And when you uh, when you encounter one, there's always a possibility that you're going to get hurt and things are going to happen that you don't expect and you're going to get scared, you're going to be upset. But this is the nature of teaching and learning. Yeah, you need that, right? <laughs> Otherwise, because... you are reliant on a guide that knows all these things yep. and you are in the dark just following this guy around. Yep. And... You're reliant. Yeah. You never grow. Yeah. And you become susceptible to bad things because you don't know how to handle them. It's you become like a kid who's been yes. who's been like, you know, under a glass bell all his life and the first German that he gets, he start he, he feels sick. Right. Because now the first time that you hear something that upsets you, you're like you lose it. I mean, and this is exactly like the meaning of fragile. Yeah. Right? It's like you you can't withstand opposition. You can't withstand conflict. You can't withstand anything that isn't um preserving everything that is you. I yes, and I know exactly what you're talking about. I think that I I prefer a different term mm-hmm. uh, rather than using fragility f- to describe people that are in this situation. I think that they become intellectually blind. That's what it is. So you would you prefer lose blind sight. to yes. fragile. Yes. I think they lose sight hmm. completely and they need a guide to bring them around. I think I think that's good too. I, I think I think they're I think they're um because, interrelated but mm-hmm. distinct qualities. Yeah. And the reason I think fragility is um should be there in addition to blindness is because fragility adds the quality of not being able to withstand mm-hmm. being being um easily broken mm-hmm. ne- needing to be I, delicately handled so i'll i'll tell you why i think that those categories actually are not the right ones, in okay. my opinion. And again, I understand exactly what you're saying, and I think that up to a certain point, up to, let's say, even 10 years ago, mm-hmm. maybe less, uh, that these were the right ways of describing this. Mm-hmm. I think that right now we are past that. Okay. Right now it's full blindness because these people don't get shattered. They demand that everybody gets a guide so nobody bumps into each other. Because? Sure, sure. They don't want to get shattered, right? I don't think that they are in the position to get shattered anymore. I think that actually they have become the stronger agents here, right? They're the ones that Hmm. don't shatter and don't break and don't bend no matter what. They are monolites. They are shattering everything else around them, whatever whatever doesn't fit. Okay, I so, understand where you're going with that. So I think that the the blind analogy becomes better because I'm blind. I need a guide. 
I, I want a guide. At the beginning, I need it because I never learned because I was always guided. Now I need a guide, but I'm not the, I don't want to be the only one with a guide. I want you, even you that you have sight, you need to have a guide so you don't go off rail and by some chance bump into me or talk to me if I don't want you to. Hmm. So this is why I'm saying I think that those, like the fragility, the shudderness, the, the, all those things, they're almost, I don't want to say obsolete, but they're kind of the old categories. Now we need to think That's the opposite way. I think we need to think that the people that get hurt and shudder are not the people that are guided, are sometimes the people that are curious. Yeah, I think... And I, they get destroyed, literally destroyed. I uh, I definitely understand why, why you say that. Um, I think the thing I'm sticking with is there's an as if fragile mm-hmm. at the very least. So maybe that's more no, effective, yeah. right? No, I understand what you mean. And I'm thinking like, you know, why don't, okay. So before we recorded, what yeah. I ex- told you is I broke my cup today. Yes. It's a sad day. <laughs> so that currency between the splinter and the cup, man. Yeah. What a day. <laughs> and the, the queen. queen. And the queen. queen. <laughs> <laughs> my cup, my nice glass cup that I've, sat here with many a time and that I always have during office oh, hours. If you give me the pleasure, I'll gift you a new one. Oh, no, I'm picky. Don't do that. Okay. Don't do that. Don't do that. Right. Um, <laughs> it, it was like I got attached to it, right? And, and Epictetus would hate this for the exact right? Absolutely. Right? It would be like, what are you doing? It was this nice uh, glass. It was, it was the kind of glass where it almost looks like crystal, like a... Uh... What's up? Oh, no, I'm good. I'm good. It was the kind of glass that was like crystal. Like if you think of the diner cups or those nice wine or cocktail glasses or like those old-fashioned ashtrays. Like I could picture it perfectly, right? And uh, <laughs> I used it, right? But but you could picture something like that that's very delicate. Yeah. And, and you don't bring – like think of the glass menagerie, right? The yeah, Tennessee yeah. Williams book. You, you have something that's very delicate and then – you don't bring it out of the house, mm-hmm. right? Why don't you bring it out of the house? Be- because it breaks. Right, or at the very least, you're afraid of it breaking. Yes, yes. Um, so you treat it with caution because yeah. you're like, this thing is um, this thing is weak. This thing needs me, right? It, it mm-hmm. has no inner strength. Yeah. And so you shield it from everything. Yes. And... That this is kind of the the reason why I still think the language is relevant, and especially when you contrast it with the idea of anti fragility, which is not the same thing as resilience. Like I think I've talked about this before. Yeah, we yeah. Because resilience means like oh, it doesn't shatter. Mm-hmm. Great, but anti fragility means not only do you not break, but actually you get stronger as a result mm-hmm. of these things that happen. Mm-hmm. And I think that is perfect. I, this idea I, yeah, that yeah. when you encounter conflict, mm-hmm. when you encounter opposition, difficulties, and you figure it out, mm-hmm. that's learning. That's the thing that teaches you, and you become better as a result of it. Yeah, sure. I absolutely agreed. Again, terminology, I'm not a fan of it, but that's that's different, right? Um, so moving past that one, yes, then. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, no, but it's it's just uh, but but I think we agree in general when it comes to the concept. Sure, you uh, think maybe, it's a verbal dispute? Uh, no, I actually think that there is some substance there because okay. uh, because I think that, and the big difference is you think that these people that are being guided all their lives, they are 
fragile? Well, I would say it, it comes from the belief that they are, and the more it happens, the more it makes it so. So they believe that they are. The guide believes that, that they, they are, are. Okay. And then they come to believe that they are. Yeah. And as a result, like they a self fulfilling prophecy not be, kind yes. of thing. Okay. Like gotcha. learned helplessness. Yeah. Lack of incentive to learn. I, I instead think that paradoxically, maybe the fragile individual, the person that pre, okay. The person that pretends to be fragile is mm. the guide. Not even I – I was about to say the person who is fragile is the guide. But I don't even think that those are fragile. But the person that pretends to be fragile is the guide. It's like, you know, thinking of kids, right? Think of a parent that's like, oh, my kid is like uh, – I have to protect him because he's fragile. He's going he's gonna to be – you know, I need to, I need to be careful. Oh, yeah. I've had people try to talk to me uh-huh. about when, when Claire is pregnant. Like, and you're going to do this and you're going to want this and you're going to get this thing and this thing. And I'm like – I'm not going to do any of that. So. so, but can you imagine, like, think of a parent that's, like, absolutely afraid of his kid doing anything that might hurt him. Right. The bubble Be- boy. Exactly. Yes. It's, it's like, oh, and he's sickly. He's this. He can get sick. He can be kidnapped. He can be this, this, and that, blah, 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 blah. And then you're like, okay, you imagine this kid, like, a little scrawny two-year-old. And then you go to the house, and it's like a... 300-pound, <laughs> 17-year-old that really breaks everything that he touches. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that is where we're at, right? I think that this is why I'm saying I don't buy the the fragility thing. I buy the I need the guide because I'm blind and mm-hmm. I don't, you know, I, I just intellectually blind that I need you to bring me from point but A to point B. But do you buy B. the as-if fragility thing, if not the actual fragility the, thing? I think that we as a society pretend. Like the misperception. Yes, we pretend that. We pretend. Fair enough. Because this is, you know, what, but these are, and we're in trouble because we pretend that. Yeah. Because again, then all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute, you, the fragile person, Mm -hmm. are shattering and destroying my life? Mm -hmm. That when I'm the one who has gone, you know, for lengths and, and learned stuff, I think that that is the issue, right? Yeah, and I know we're using private fragile in two different modes in this case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know what, you're, what I'm saying. Yeah, so I mean, but uh, regardless, I think we both agree that you don't become more virtuous, like in the true sense, mm-hmm. right? Not in like the quasi-virtue mm-hmm. signaling sense, but like you don't become um, – a, a better person, a more competent person, a more... You don't learn more by... You don't live the good life Yes, by being guided all the time Absolutely. or by guiding all the time. Absolutely. So, and again, I think of it from the, if you want, from the market perspective, right? Okay. If I'm a guide and I have a couple of things that work for me, people need me, mm-hmm. especially in a specific... Which is the greatest advertisement. Right. You need me. If you don't have me, you die. die. Exactly. (laughs) People need me. And I have the power over you because I'm the only one or we are the only one that can take you places. So you become more susceptible to authority. Exactly. So a guide, by definition, are authoritarian Mm -hmm. and at a certain point indispensable. If you an individual, if you as an individual get trapped by a guide, a guide will make you need him or her 
the most yeah, yeah, yeah. all the time. No, absolutely. absolutely. All the time. I need to be relevant. I want to be relevant. I want to be paid. You know, if like it's like a company that sells you something, they want that product to be indispensable yeah. you for you. You can't live without that. Exactly. While the teacher eventually wants to get out of the way. You don't need me anymore. Yeah, the teacher yeah. is like, I'm done with you. Move on. Like it's, sometimes it's painful. Sometimes students don't understand this. Sometimes you're like, yeah. like, dude, it's you. You got this. You don't need me. Just don't. It's that's, fine. And Go that's ahead. a good way of looking at. It. That's like, it's the it's idea just the of, worst um, advertisement for ourselves. Like we <laughs> at some point become useless. Yes, exactly. It's it's the idea of leaving the nest. Yeah. Right. One is like you can never leave the nest, mm -hmm. and one is like the day has come and it's very bittersweet for me, but. You will leave the nest. Yeah. yeah, I'm thinking it's like a funny example, but uh, there's this old like B 80s movie that I love <laughs> called uh, No Retreat, No Surrender. Okay, and I recently just showed Claire this because this was like the coolest movie when I was growing up <laughs> in my family. Okay, um, and it's this movie where this kid, uh, for whatever reasons, he winds up having to train with the ghost of Bruce Lee. Oh God. Um, <laughs> Because he's having some issues in his life, and uh, there's this moment where he does this thing mm -hmm. that he's been trying to do for so long, mm -hmm. and then when he turns around, like excitedly, to be like, "Oh my god, I did it!" Bruce Lee's not the there. ghost is not there anymore. Yeah, right. And he never comes back, and it's never like even to say you did it. It's just whew, you're on yeah. your own now. Yeah, right. So it's like that's the teacher is the person who makes you not need them anymore. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Well, the guide says, you need me. Again, yes. the instructions manual, you always so need So autonomy them. is yes. a word we haven't used yet. Exactly. Exactly. It makes you autonomous while mm -hmm. the other one makes you autonomous. And again, true autonomy means you have to learn to deal with things because things are not always going to be perfect. Yes. And you have to be prepared mm -hmm. to not only encounter those but sometimes to ex like voluntarily accept the risk of that happening. Yeah, yeah. No, that's necessary, right? Absolutely. I, as we were saying before, learning is dangerous. Teaching too also, unfortunately, but yeah. <laughs> shouldn't be. But learning is dangerous. And again, continuing with the comparison, the being guided is not. Absolutely. And so you shouldn't automatically, this, therefore, right, we, mm -hmm. things we can draw conclusions from this from uh, are... You shouldn't automatically run away mm -hmm. from something when it's different yeah, or when it's hard yeah. at the beginning. And, and when someone is trying to push you, mm -hmm. you shouldn't automatically assume that they're trying to hurt you. Yeah. Right? Because yeah, in many cases, it's the exact opposite. Exactly. Right? Which requires a total different thing than the, the mindset we were, we were talking about previously. Yeah, and and yeah. the, the problem is, again, the problem is the societal expectation of what teaching means and what learning means at this point. Yeah. Because the same way in which we are trying, not me and you, but there is a push towards this idea that teachers have to become guides. Yeah. I think that this almost coincides with the fact that learning has become just reinforcing whatever ideas are already in there. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's just... Um, confirmation bias. It's it's confirmation bias. It's like um, uh, Thrasymachus says, it's like the, the you get taught the principles that when 
carried out preserve the system. Yeah, so exactly. it's like this weird pyramid scheme. And of it, exactly, it's like you. I want you just to reinforce the things that. Again, let's let's make an example that's like out of the, uh, you know, that's not universal. Let's make it particular, right? Okay. Parent, child, teacher, right? In years past, and, you know, I, I don't want to sound like an apologist uh, for the past things, but there are okay. some things okay. that worked, some others that didn't. But the idea was back, you know, a few, few decades ago, the parents did the guide, then let the kid go, and then the kid went and learned things from the teacher. And okay. the teacher, it was understood that the kid will get hurt by learning new stuff. And it was also kind of understood that it will be exposed to ideas that were different from the one from the parent. Okay. Which was a little annoying to the parent, always being, right? But at the same time, I think it was considered like a necessary step towards autonomy. Because then the parent was like, it's a new world, mm -hmm. uh, and so on and so on. Now the expectation is different. You had the guide parent that guides the child, and it instills in the child certain ideas, whatever these ideas are, and then he wants to, when, he's, when he, the parent cannot physically be there, mm -hmm. he wants the teacher to take over as a guide and keep reinforcing whatever those things that mm -hmm. are already there are. It's just, it's just the continuation. It's like we want stasis instead of movement. They want to crystallize, maybe to go towards the fragility thing, right? They want to crystallize the moment, what they have. Mm -hmm without leaving any room instead to develop. Yeah, I think uh, one of the words I was thinking of before that I didn't say was stagnation, yeah. right? Which is like not growth. It's not yeah. creation. It's not exactly. becoming. Exactly. Um, and I think the thing you're saying is a good example. And then I also think the, the inverse could be true too, mm -hmm. which is when you have a teacher that has actually adopted the guide type ideas well, and then you have the parent that's like no no no, don't be a guide yeah be a teacher oh, that can happen right? too that, or so there's that what was you gonna say uh, that sometimes it happens that both of them are guides mm. but they're guiding them to different paths and then yep. they, they they start like fighting right yeah i think that's that's true um but it's i think there is something there that kind of unveils uh, also, what learning means aside from teaching, and you know, as we suspected, we got to learning from teaching. Ah, yeah, right. This, uh, we have said a bunch of things already. I think we have said the fact that is being exposed to risk, being exposed to change, um, acquiring certain skills even on your own, or guided by someone, guided not, or taught by someone else. And those things, if you think about, it, are all things that computers can't do. It's impossible for they cannot take risks. That's true. They can they, calculate risks, they, but they don't. They don't take, take them. risks. Exactly. Yeah. They are not. They're not exposed to anything dangerous by the act of you deciding that striking something is. It's not like I pour a little bit of water on my computer one like, day and say, and tomorrow I'll pour a little bit of more water exactly, on you. Exactly. Right. Yeah. So maybe that is the difference. Is the the risk factor, if you want, and this is why the chaotic nature, right? This is why then things can go south all of a sudden because you're taking one risk too many. Yeah. And and to clarify, and I said this before, there are certain situations in life where guides are necessary. That you need guidelines. We mentioned them. Especially when starting out. Exactly. You need this. I'm not saying that nobody should be a guide to their kid or nobody should be a guide, period. 
No, I'm saying there are times where this is appropriate, like everything, phrases, right? Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. times where it's not appropriate. And I think that within the teaching profession, if you are a professor at a university or if you are a K-12 teacher, that should not be the case. Mm. You cannot apply those categories. And until we as a society, as a group, until the public doesn't understand that these two things n not only are different, they need to be separated and to stay separated, we're going to be in trouble. Yeah, I mean, and I'm also in the back of my head, I was just thinking, because we had joked in a previous episode about this thing, um, that this is just Aristotle. <laughs> that, yeah, yeah. Right? It's the same exactly. thing. Exactly. Um, this is exactly... Damn, this guy was right for everything. This guy was right, right? <laughs> Even if you try to argue against yes. that, you're like, hmm. And the kind of last thing I was thinking, um, you would talk about one of the things you think is co-occurring yeah. environmentally. I think another thing that is that it's not an accident that this is occurring alongside of technological developments where the purpose of machines is to keep you pl pleasure all the time, mm -hmm. right? Like really simple pleasure mm -hmm. all the time, right? Like it's yeah. the Bo Burnham thing, a little bit of everything all the time. Yeah. Um, basically, the goal is just experience pod. Right, like yeah. I don't ever have to leave. Yeah, I don't ever have to have to do anything. I don't yeah. have to experience a gap or uh, a hiccup. And if you think of what they're doing, they're guiding you through life to avoid all stuff. Yeah, that's that's what technology does. And this is the danger of technology, right? The danger is to that it guides you through life, just that they make your life too simple. Right, right. Because if things are too easy, then then you have no incentive to learn. And yeah, you exactly. can't grow, right? It's like you stagnate as a thing that's just little ball of mush being fed pleasure all the time. They, machines, technology is the advanced level of the IKEA instructions. Mm. You never have to learn anything because mm -hmm. they're all, it's always there. I mean, small things, like stupid things. I think we talked about this a little bit when we're talking about memory, right? I do not know. I know just probably one, maybe two, Phone numbers by heart now. Oh, ha, that's funny. Because yeah, I don't need to. Yeah, yeah, you've you've exported that stuff. Exactly right. I don't need this. I have my IKEA phone number manual here all the time, and how many of these things? I I used to I try I went to the middle of Turkey without a GPS. Mm. Now, if I have to go from here to my house, if one of the main roads is blocked, I'm like. Where am yeah. I going to go? Like, like, efficiency is not always good. Making things easy is not always good. I I think it is good. But it's not always good. True. And the technological development is predicated upon the idea that it is always good. Like, the iPhone is how can we, how can we, like, even the interface, right? Like, how can we make things as clean and transparent and as interfaced with with your attention as possible which is precisely why you don't have a phone that's like a weird shape yeah. and with a weird texture it's like how do i almost make it not exist you know, so we're it's gonna get one. a usb port on our neck soon so oh god <laughs> no no no. but uh, i'm saying i you know we have had this discussion and we eventually will need to have a technology episode yeah, yeah. Uh, i am of the idea that technology is not necessarily let's say you're a little more critical than i am 
when it comes to technological stuff. Um, however, it carries a danger. And again, over there, I also think that it's a matter of confusing categories. But you, you do agree with me with the general premise that it's not – you shouldn't assume – that any kind of simplification that's true not just for machine. efficiency is that's good. not just true for machine that's okay, true for everything enough. yeah yeah it's like if a book is simple it doesn't mean it's good for you to read it because it's simple or rather yeah. it's better to read i'm trying to think. i have the head full of difficult things and i cannot think of one easy stuff that's not good but mm-hmm. you know it's better for you to read kant or hegel which is very very difficult rather than reading uh i don't know a bad author that's like like super easy thing that you can read. And I was just gonna say, like an adult reading Where's Spot. Yes, yeah, like well, Good Night Moon. Or something. Yeah, whatever, whatever, something like that. I think even that, though sometimes they carry wonderful messages in them. But I get, I get what you're saying. Yeah, and it's and again, sometimes simple things are fine too. But I'm saying is not just typical of technology, but like technology. digestibility. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Exactly. Like this TV show. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Whatever TV show, sometimes things need to be complex. Because they, they um, require something else. Marvel movies, yeah, right? These yeah, kinds yeah, of yeah. things. But again, both of us are fan of Rob Zombie stuff, right? Yes, yes. Uh, which are not the most complex thing ever. But if you show a person who have a house of a thousand corpses who's totally just like unengaged with anything other than exactly. the everyday, they're going to be like, what the hell is exactly, this? Exactly, exactly. Because there's, there's the, the, the aspect there. But it's not necessarily complex. I wouldn't say that, that it's complex, mm. right? Mm-hmm. And yet, it, I think it, you, you learn something from it. You experience sure. something that makes you sure. better. Rob, sure. somebody will be happy. Hey, Rob, if you're listening, <laughs> just, you know. Yes. Um, you know what I'm saying, though? Yeah, I absolutely get what you're saying. Um, so at the end of the day, I think, I think we have learned a few things throughout the episode, right? Um, hope so, as you said. Uh, if if anything, we have learned that teaching is not as easy, mm-hmm. uh, and that there is like a, there's at least this two ways of looking at this profession. One that we don't like. I think it's plenty clear. And which, to be clear, is not like purely hypothetical. Like that's, that's yeah. largely part of a lot of the systems that exist yeah. today. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So. Um, I hope you guys enjoyed the episode. Yeah. And we'll see you soon. See ya. Bye.